Viewer discretion is advised as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Now, are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. And we are live with another edition of the Jacked Up Review Show. And this time I brought good colleague and talented martial artist, Braden D. White. How are you, sir? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm always delightful. And so, since, uh, what what uh, degree uh, belt are you again? Currently a second degree black belt in freestyle karate. That's the, that's the, the short version. Uh, should be testing for my third degree at some point this year. Perfect. Well, I thought we'd play a game that, for this episode of 10 Essential Martial Arts Movies. We'll just go back and forth. If you want, I can start the round, or you can start the round. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead. Let's, let's you start the round, because then I'll, <laughs> I'll have something to vibe off of. All righty, all righty. So... In this game, we're just going to just take movies we just couldn't live without. And uh, we, we're going to choose a selection of independent as well as a few classics. So I'll go ahead and start with Once Upon a Time in China 2. Okay. We various, back, I think that's 93-ish? 90, yeah, 92. And just very essential viewing. And everyone likes to make it all about the Donnie Yen versus Jet Li. That is a wonderful point of the movie, but all the buildup and all the other conflict is just very good. And it not only just one-ups the original film, but it's just a more involving, more energetic, and very uh, demanding movie as a whole. And that's why I think it's just – it's not only just a good martial arts movie, a good film for both actors, but the stakes are raised – in a way to where you feel like the character is more, not only more versatile, but more challenged. And that makes it just a good sequel as a whole. It's very essential viewing of early 90s martial arts. All right, Braden, what's number two? <laughs> number two for me, I would have to say, going a little bit more recent. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say Accident Man with Scott Adkins. Very good choice. Uh, what would you say is the highlight in that one? Um, the highlight of the entire movie for me, I have I have two highlights of that movie <laughs> is um, Scott Adkins versus Michael Jai White and Ray Park. That cool. is a highlight in the in their little dojo of sorts where they're. Mm -hmm. That, that that's just a beautifully choreographed scene. Tim Mann knows what he's doing in terms of fight choreography. And um, my other highlight is Scott Adkins versus Amy Johnston at the end of the film. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, just the energy, the fact that these people have aged so well and the staging of it all is just very complimentary of the otherwise addicting movie. It really is, and what I really like is this is only, uh, especially giving props to Amy Johnston, um, because this is only like her third, uh, I'm not really going to say, because she's not really a lead, but 
she's a main character. Mm-hmm. So given that this is only like one of her she's still in the beginning stages of her career, let's say that. Um, in her acting career. She does a wonderful performance. You believe that she really is Jane the Ripper. And you know, it's it's really kinda it's kinda fun because in her other two films she plays kind of the same character, you know, like uh female fight squad and yeah. uh and uh in Lady Blood Fight, she she plays basically a different version of the same character, like two sides of the, two different sides of the same coin. And this time it was kind of fun to see her mix it up a little bit and and you know play someone who isn't necessarily a good guy or a bad guy they're just handling business really totally concur it blurs the lines and it keeps raising up the amount of challenges that everyone's gonna have to face and this is definitely a showcase for everyone whether they're rising stars or veteran stars and Agreed, agreed. And like I said, Michael J. White and Ray Park, they we all know what they're capable of, so that's Oh, absolutely. Good. Yeah. Alrighty, number three, the perfect weapon. Jeff Speakman, yes. nineteen ninety one. I've got the power. Yeah. Bring it back I, to the snap soundtrack. Yeah. I mean the the only issue I think I got with this is I can tell they made a few uh cuts some which can only be seen in like uh network tv versions like mariska hargitay before she was known for svu is uh the dead cop partner's uh widow and i you know she's in a few different scenes and never speaks and it's like i i don't know if she pissed off someone but i, I could have at least had one scene with her speaking <laughs> but uh other than yeah. that uh i i just love how the momentum of this goes i like the east meets west mentality that had already been set you know, it predates it's it's a pretty much a mishmash of other stuff like Beverly Hills Cop and uh, Black Rain. And, you know, it predates other movies like uh, Rising Sun. I, I just again, just like that whole, you know, in America, there's still just various different vicious mobsters and nothing is straightforward. And Jeff Speakman, say what you will about him in some of his other movies, you know, he he was perfect for this. He just was the right time. He was comfortable. And it was about just making the style is the start in this movie, as opposed to just let's see what we can do with this plot twist or anything. And I see so many people giving this shit over the years. And all I can say is, I'm sorry, you're just watching a different movie. And this is just very straightforward and demanding your attention without, you know. Begging. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not preachy, and it's not, it doesn't overstay its welcome either. I think it's very fast-paced and instantly watchable. I could watch it probably three times in one day and not get bored with it. I probably could, too, as long as it's, like, spaced out in between. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, like watch it for breakfast, and watch it for lunch, and then watch it for dinner. Yeah, I, I would totally do the HBO effect with this movie. Just <laughs> have it on. <laughs> but one of my favorite scenes in that movie is when he's fighting the... Uh, the, the bar the, fight? No, not the bar fight. It's when he's fighting the Korean guys in the gym. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reason... One of my favorite moments of that fight scene is 
Now I'm I'm gonna gonna go kind of martial arts geek a little bit. That's they fine. never I mean... flat out say that the Koreans are doing Taekwondo, but it is a martial arts stereotype. You see it numerous times in different movies that when you have a person of a certain nationality, they automatically know that the martial art that that country is known for. Yeah, that's fair. That might so, be a little flaw in the movie. I mean, the movie wasn't supposed to be detail heavy. It was pretty much everyone speaks through their fighting style, kind of. Like, but like you much. say, but my favorite point in that in that fight is at the very end when Jeff Speakman he throws a tornado kick and knocks out the last guy. Yeah. And tornado kick is a very it's one of Taekwondo's signature kicks. It's what it's known for. Mm-hmm. And so for me, for a Kimpo guy to use a tornado kick to knock out a Taekwondo guy, mildly disrespectful, but in a good way. <laughs> it's also just, I like the final standoff with all the other bad guys like, you know, James Hong and Kerry Tagawa. Yes. And, uh, and the professor, I, I, blowing up the professor at the very end. Yeah. And I mean, it. It's just a damn shame that Paramount just fucked over this whole production. Just and it was uh, also partially to blame was Jeff Speakman's talent agent. He was not playing. He was playing rough and he was pissing off everyone and really did cost Jeff his career, which is just a Pretty shame. Because again, you know, you shouldn't kill careers before you have a chance. And I like how again, just it's a straightforward. It's a partial. Uh, you know, Yahimbo type, you know, gang mystery, who's playing who. And then, you know, the last part is just kind of get revenge, but in a stealthy kind of way. I mean, Jeff Speakman is flat out fucking Sam Fisher from the Splinter Cell video games in this movie when how he infiltrates the whole complex. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And I, I just, I appreciate that the movie speaks through actions rather than words without feeling emotionless or distancing the viewer i think that is a skill that goes overlooked on so many of these movies it's like i'm fine if it's not deep but i just gotta be involved i don't want to just be here just staring at my watch waiting for the fucking thing to be over and you know i'm i'm never bored with this movie at any time of day so i will leave it to you now number four what's worthy of that four um one that comes to mind that I think is a very, very underrated gem is mm-hmm. Chuck Norris, A Force of One from, I think, 79, maybe oh, 80. Force of One. I remember that movie trailer, and that's the one where he fights Christopher Lee, right? That is the one where he fights um, he fights Bill Wallace, Bill Superfoot Wallace at the end. He plays a karate uh, champion okay. who yeah. helps the cops. Okay, yeah, like, that one's a more kind of goofy classes. 80s movie, and that was before he was working for Canon. Yeah, A yeah, Force okay. of One. Actually, um, 79, actually, I think. Uh, yeah, no, actually, I don't think... No, it was American Motion Pictures, I think, was the company that yeah. produced that one. Mm-hmm. And the trailers all had him, like, against, like, a pyramid, like, all meditating. Dum, 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 yeah, dum, yes. A Force of One. <laughs> yes. But see, right. the movie, I think, 
part of its charm is is it doesn't know exactly what it's doing <laughs> it's sick. but it succeeds in it if that makes sense you know what i mean it runs with it even when it's blind yeah yes it's like okay we know it's okay we it's can like, have schlocky entertainment they're trying, that's... Go, they're trying to go from point a to point z and they're like <laughs> okay we've made it from a to b yeah and now we're at b to c Screw it, we're just going to jump to Z now. <laughs> Alrighty, I'm going to have to one-up you on this one. So I'm going to go with the classic, The Chinese Connection. Ooh, Bruce Lee. It's the first fucking movie I ever saw. It didn't matter that it was dubbed on Spike TV. I fucking loved every minute of it, especially the finals. Flip the samurai sword around and stab the main Japanese leader with it. It was just fucking amazing. I totally understand yeah. why Jet Li and his crew had to remake it for Fist of Legend. I, it's, I mean, Enter the Dragon is often the, oh, that's Bruce Lee's definitive one. I'm just like, no, this is Bruce Lee's definitive one. He, it literally, you have 20 minutes of exposition and the rest is just the brooding mystery and build up to how he's going to fucking massacre every single one of these guys who killed his teacher and i'm just like perfect it's fucking simple you know because the big boss has stuff going for it but it also takes a while and you know same thing with Enter the dragon which is kind of more fun because it's a james bond plot and i'm like no chinese connections where it's at because you see every kind of art demonstrated within minutes that bruce lee can do and pretty you don't have any bullshit with the romance. The murders aren't overdone. The music isn't even overdone. The settings are beautiful. It's just straightforward. And I need more of that. I, I, it gets to business. And it does practice the whole, you know, avenge, you know, stand up for your honor without being pathetic or preachy like we've said before. It's just like perfect you know i can handle over the top as long as it's in on it and it is in on it and bruce lee's heart is in this movie you feel like you don't feel like he's just you know a mercenary for hire or he's a he was contracted for the role you do feel like hey i want to make a movie and i'm gonna give it to you you know <laughs> i actually heard before. somewhere that that movie was his message to Hollywood because how that movie discriminated against the Chinese because it was set during the uh, Japanese occupation of, of China. Yeah, like early 40s. It was, he said it was basically his message to Hollywood how Hollywood wouldn't give him parts because of his ethnicity. And so he was like, well, all right, then I'm just going to go out here and make a name for myself. And then whenever I come back, y'all going to be – I'm going to have to be fighting contracts off because I'm going to be so popular. Yeah, I totally concur. And I, I I do seem to recall hearing some of that, you know, and it's like, hey, I'm not going to play fucking, you know, whoever on the Green Hornet. You know, it's like, no, I'm going to be the star of my movie. And I'm. This isn't a stupid movie. It does have a message, you know, <laughs> and you you totally see its influence in non, you know, Chinese Hong Kong uh, movies like, you know. Every Sonny Chiba movie, like Street Fighter, pretty much takes the same practice. You know, avenges the master, you know, <laughs> massacre your enemies one by one. Plant, you know, don't become 
a dick, <laughs> uh, execute mercilessly, efficiently, and honorably. <laughs> and you always manage to get a good night's sleep afterwards. Like, you're conscious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't feel like a serial killer after seeing this guy kill, like, 300 fucking plus people. <laughs> nope. Nope. Alrighty. So, what is your number five, Drayden? Number five. Um, I'm gonna take it back about uh about ten years ago, mainly because this is the movie that introduced me to the star. Um, is gonna be the first ninja movie with Scott Adkins. Okay. Yeah. It's a very realistic ninja movie, as a matter of fact. Uh, the second, the second one more so, but I will, I will concur with that. And I remember, I feel like they're I, actually trying I, to be legit. As yeah. Supposed to be all Batman, Zorro, whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you didn't actually see him in a ninja costume until like the last fifteen minutes of the film, which was awesome. You didn't see somebody parading around New York City in black pajamas. Yeah. And I remember or, being. A freshman in high school, yeah. and I was uh, I was in my computer class. I was supposed to be doing work, but I wasn't. Because, you know, <laughs> I, I was a freshman in college when this fucking thing came out. Yeah, it. And so it I remember watching Ninja Assassin, and it was in competition yeah. in a way. And I remember seeing the trailer, and I saw how Scott Adkins was built. And a couple of the fight clips they had shown didn't actually show what Scott Adkins could do. So I was like, don't tell me they took an MMA fighter and put him in a ninja movie. That's going to piss me off. <laughs> yeah, I actually, when he first came I out. Saw, uh, I saw a behind-the-scenes feature, and I saw Scott Adkins actually do his thing. I was like, oh, I am intrigued. Yeah. Because prior to that, I mean, he'd been, like, in a few Jackie Chan movies. He did stunts on Batman Begins as one of the ninjas, but wasn't terribly known. And he also, he had done Undisputed 2 at that point, but I, I hadn't yes. seen any Undisputed movies yeah. at oh. that point. Oh, and the, that one. Special Forces. That one movie where he fights Van Damme. It's a modern-day high noon western. Basically, he's killing a bunch of Mexican refugees, and Van Damme's stopping him as he's trying to take over oh, the town. Pretty good one. That's a good one. Oh, he's slow yeah. motion, but still pretty fucking brutal and awesome. But the reason, another reason why I say ninja is because going off of what you just said about the Chinese connection, one of the big things about the Chinese connection was the big overhead shot where Bruce Lee kills like 14 dudes in a single shot. Absolutely. Because like, they do any cuts. Well, and. It, it's being creative with the kills without sacrificing the premise. You know what I mean? And yeah. I don't mind a mindless movie, but I, I don't like it when a movie just kind of just is halfway there and then half asses it. The rest of the movie is like, and I've seen this way too much where you got this perfect, you know, story, perfect build up, And then you see the second half and it feels like someone dicked around in the editing room or, rewrote it or a direct a new director took over i hate it and it's yeah, like you why are you tell that in movies. 
yeah, why is the action looking all schlocky? This is what I paid to see, and you fucked it up. Why? <laughs> Luckily, Ninja doesn't disappoint, especially with their no. fight scene. No. Uh, that cult or whatever, the, the ring or whatever it's called. Yeah. It's very good at using suspense to generate the mood without sacrificing its budget or premise or interest. And, and I feel like that that is basically because that was Scott Atkins' first like lead role as the hero in a movie. So I feel like it's like, here, this is your new highlight reel. Just go crazy. Yeah, let me prove myself and... I don't have to. I will, you know. <laughs> I, I feel like he did that very well because here we are, you know, almost 11 years later and he is still relevant. Yeah, bit parts in movies like Criminal, Doctor Strange, and even The Expendables 2, and he demonstrates that he's glued in. He, he, and he's nothing, no offense against martial arts or stuntmen, but he's more than just another Al Leong or James Yu, you know. He is in every movie regardless Pretty of whether you give him dialogue or not he's focused and he's acting and he's reacting even an american assassin he has a brief but vital part and he plays along really well you don't he get really a sen- you don't get a sense of ego i mean everyone's got an ego but you don't get a sense of to the point where it's disrupting the workflow you know yeah okay so with that I'm going to go. Number seven is the fifth commandment. I love the special features on this. I love every single fight on this Jesse V. Johnson movie that was originally intended for Vic Armstrong. I love Rick Yoon. I've always liked him, even when I haven't cared for his movies where he was a bad guy in. And he gets to demonstrate it all. This was made back in 05, according to the end of the movie and released in 08 got a limited release before being released by sony it really does make good use of every single person's performing arts uh the i I just love the mix of leon the professional type uh assassin being reawakened before Mm -hmm. it goes all commando save the girl stop you know be a one-man army who is equipped to handle this all. You don't feel like, and it borrows enough without feeling derivative. It flows along at the speed of light to where you just are like, I want fucking more. I want more of this nonstop energeticness. I want Rick to make another one of these. He probably won't. Cause I mean, I, he spent who knows how much i i know he said what the budget was somewhere but it's one of those is like man he really did put all of his savings into this thing and he everyone believed in it everyone gave it they're all they only did like two takes of even the opening explosion sequence that's hard to fathom that you know because <laughs> they could only do it a few times and the budget was that limited and he did the actual parachute out of the room he said he was also inspired by other things like uh, Rambo, Born Identity, and it's like, okay, yeah, this is a movie made by a movie lover for movie lovers without being just a, oh, you hacks, you're at it again. You know, it it is a labor of love, and it's a fucking brutal four out of five, in my opinion. So I'd agree with that, and I wish that um, – I forget the guy's name, but the – the African-American dude who played... Pokemon Woodbine. 
I wish he would do more action movies because he is so good. Agreed. I've been a fan since I saw him in The Rock, Sniper 2, and Dead Presidents. He, I even interviewed him. He is a sweethearted man and a very just... He he is a diverse performer, too. He can play ghetto. He can play tough. He can play laid back and funny. He And he knows martial arts, like you say, and he even was part of a band as well, like Five Purple Dragons or something like that. He would tour with Born as Ghosts, Eric Bulfer. And I, like you say, he does need to be in more movies because even though he's in a lot of movies like uh, Riddick and... Uh, what have you, he he needs more. <laughs> he needs, I, I would like to see him do more more action movies. Because yeah. that one scene where he took on like 100 dudes was amazing. Absolutely. And when it's all said and done, you're like, avenge him! Because <laughs> it doesn't, and it does it in a way without feeling cliche. You're like, yeah, this dude put up a fight and, you know, I have every reason to hate the bad guys now i want his half brother to avenge him now and that's the other cool thing about it too there is a terminator style police station massacre but it's changed up enough to where it's not like a scene by scene and it's a wink as opposed to just oh you guys you totally stole it frame for frame and it also builds up the momentum to demonstrate how I think they said like the main bad guy had killed like uh, 800 plus people or some shit like that. You know, <laughs> he has like a huge kill count record and you're like, yeah, he, uh, our main guy is, is already a one man army, but I'm already feeling like he's pretty outnumbered just because of this killer dude alone. And Roger Wan gets to express his acting abilities. I mean, he's always been a reliable stunt performer and been in stuff like Shanghai noon, but here, you know, he does own the screen without feeling like he's a, one of those guys who's good at stunts but can't act. He can act. <laughs> no, that's that's another thing I was going to say. It actually gives him a chance to to really test himself as an actor because he has a lot of dramatic scenes in that film, and it's not just you know, you know, like you said, you know, he's he's not just a stunt guy who who tries to act. He I, I would go as far as to say he's an actor who happened to start as a stuntman. Concur. Yeah. And hopefully they'll keep getting more roles. Cause I mean, I seen him in some recent stuff. Like he has a brief sequence. Roger Wan has a brief scene, <laughs> probably one of the funniest kills in John Wick free when the swords of the head scene. But yes, then, I then I, then I see him in Skyfall. I'm like, God damn it. He didn't do anything. He just got shot in the head. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> was that but you know there must have been a lot of zeros at the end of the check for skyfall oh of course it's especially filming in the uk in shanghai yeah that was not cheap Considering james bond is going on like almost 60 something years oh yeah so there, there's a you know just on that alone i'm if they if they offer me the part in in a james bond movie in the future there's going to be need to be at least five zeros at the end of the check mm-hmm I think we can all be on that. So, what would make it to the list for number eight? Number eight. I'm going to kind of combine two into okay. one here. And I'm going to say the rebooted Kickboxer series. 
Mm, okay. I'm down with that because they really are. Uh, that new performer, forgive me, I don't remember his name, but Bob I like Lucy. his Okay, I, I like his presence. I, re- I really do. He uh, kind of reminds me of, he, he reminds me a lot of, he kind of combines elements that I like of Van Damme along with elements that I like of Scott Adkins and kind of combines the two. Absolutely, and I, I even like in the first reboot movie how they do a scene-by-scene comparison and rehash of the various dance moves, and it just yeah. plays a, it, it's just a well-done in blooper reel, just like in a Jackie Chan movie, you're like, okay, this is for both fans and non-fans, and it's just, uh, it, it's very just energetic and playful, and it, it's just like you feel like you not only have been to the movies but also the circus at the same time. If that makes yeah. sense, it's like okay, you're here to entertain us and you're having so much fun. We want you to have fun. I hope we hope you had as much fun as you seem to be displaying because that's pretty cool. But a couple things about the first one in particular, just a couple little tidbits and knowledge. When they were first. When it was first announced, it was it was said that Scott Adkins and Tony Jaw were both a part of it, but they had to drop out. Oh, both man. of them have confirmed that they were never officially attached to the project. They were reached out to, but an agreement could not be made, so it was a no go. But it was they were never officially attached to it. I think I heard that somewhere a lot of extras went unpaid and there was a few other unprofessional crew members. Like, yeah, it had it had a lot to do with bad finances. Not, it had nothing to do with like um I forget the dude's name, Dimitri Long something or another. It had nothing to do with him or his company. It had to do with the the co production. That's what I mean. Like it was shady investors and some other shit. Yeah. And it's it's just really sad because to see that still happening, you know, in post 2010, it's like where the fuck are these clowns coming from, and how have they been in business as long? You know, <laughs> just ripping people off. But I like the first one because it is it's very faithful to the first Kickboxer movie back in '89, '88, I think. Yeah, and I mean, it was a good compromise instead of just doing it all over again you know there, to have liberties but it was very faithful to the source material well that and just to have van damme as the mentor was that, kind yeah, of that, a that was compromise kind of, cool, kind of passing the torch and he's not he's not phoning it in here or anything um no, my friend my friends saw this movie they were talking this is acting a little bit he doesn't really fight a lot in this movie yeah and it's like okay cool so I don't know what they did to make Van Damme happy, but I'm glad they got a performance out of him. And uh, to have um, that, again, just solid atmosphere and training sequences that actually do show the evolution of the character is good. I do feel like Gina Carano and Bautista are better used here than they've been in some other movies. I see them stretching slightly more, not much, but slightly more. In and, terms of acting, they did really good with Gina Carano. I wish they would have gave her at, le- at least one or two action sequences. Yeah, but, they don't give her enough fights or motivation, but you at least believe everything she's saying, and I'm like, that's enough yeah. for me. And, and I like that she betrayed him. 
Yeah, that that was one I didn't see coming. I I was expecting her to be the the like the female lead. Yeah. Of the movie. But... Absolutely. And I mean, it's it's well paced too. I mean, so many of these movies, their problem is. You either like the training, but you hate, you know, the second half because it's drawn out, or vice versa. The getting there sucks, but the end sequence is awesome, but doesn't merit, you know, sitting for two hours. And I didn't have any issues with this. Just everything felt well-rounded and just collected. I have an issue with one line out of the first one, just because I felt like it didn't need to be there or they could have reworded it a little bit. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. But the one line is whenever he storms into Tong Po's uh, compound and he beats up all the dudes and he's face face with Tong Po and he just shouts the top of his lungs. He goes, Tong Po, I challenge you to a fight. And I'm like, <laughs> we just went full 91 at least right there. <laughs> yeah, he went Mortal Kombat there. <laughs> but yeah, that's OK, I guess. I mean, but I really like the second one. Because, like I said, it's a rebooted franchise. Like I said, with the first one, they stayed very faithful to the source material, but it still took its creative liberties to to amp it up for today's day and age. But the second one, if like if you were to watch Kickboxer Two from '91 and you were to watch this Kickboxer Two, nothing alike, but in the most amazing way possible. Yeah, that's a good contrast. Alrighty. Now we're just waiting for number three. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when are they supposed to come out with that one? Um, well, originally they were supposed to do Kickboxer Armageddon, which is now it's called because it was uh, originally titled Armageddon. Is Bruce Willis the referee? I'm just joking. That that's a nice that's a nice line there. But uh, it was originally <laughs> titled Kickboxer Syndicate. They renamed it Kickboxer Armageddon. They were going to shoot it and then do the Jujitsu movie, but. Because they were getting so much, people were asking about the jujitsu movie a lot more. They flipped the production order, so they did the jujitsu movie uh, first. They did an escape plan so two it, and three. <laughs> yeah, so when it when it comes out, they're gonna do their press tour for it and their their promotion and whatnot, and then they're gonna start production on Kickboxer number three. Okay, I can jive with that. I'm gonna go with number nine as another all-time favorite independent movie that looks bigger than the sum of its part the girl from the naked eye i love this mix of neo-noir uh, along with a taken kiss of the dragon type premise there's an mm. old uh you, you are instantly hooked the minute you're in the brothel scene and you see the old boys style influence fight scene a lot of familiar b action movies faces like latif crowder from the undisputed james lou from best of the best and the production value of it is and interviews are just as fascinating. Ron Juan, the brother of Roger, is perfect as the anti-hero opposing force who redeems himself by actually helping out the main character. I mean, I've never been a fan of Sasha Gray or Dominic Swain, but they don't do too bad here. It, it is perfect movie magic. I like the Jason Yee, the star of this previous movie, but here he's totally evolved when he gets, you know, solid camera equipment. And I introduced this actually to a friend of mine's at work back in the day. I, I remember I bought him the DVD and he actually liked it. You know, he 
we we were pretty different in terms of our interests. You know, I was more of an action savvy guy. He was more into pretentious mind fuck, you know, horror movies. And he really dug this. He loved the noir mix. He and and like you said, he as close as he got to action, you know, he he did some early Van Damme and Seagal, but most of it he just found boring unless it was something like Kiss of the Dragon or Taken. And that's exactly why it hit the right note for him. He's like, okay, character motivation, you know, it's just like any good action movie that everyone agrees with is like every moment served a purpose. And I do like how Jason Yee, it is a shame that I have not seen anything from him in a while. He did like a extra bit part in Dark Knight Rises and that was it. And it's like, no, he should be in more movies. What the fuck happened? Is he doing a different day job, working IT, funding money for the next project? Cause he needs to do another movie. You cannot just stop here. You you got it going on, buddy. <laughs> yeah, and I agree. Like, um, I actually just saw the movie a few months ago when really? it was on Netflix. It had a very short stint on Netflix, and I'm not even sure if it's still there. But I watched it, and for me, it was enjoyable. But based on what I had heard about it, I expected more. That's fair. But, uh, I didn't see any hype, I, so I didn't have anything. I did really enjoy it. It took it took a minute for for it to captivate me. Like I, I had to I had to struggle through about probably the first half of the movie. Okay. But once the action kicked off, and then I understood why everything was going that way, then I then I was good. I was good. But it, it was a bit of a struggle for about the first forty five minutes. Okay, I'll give you that. And I mean. Having Sasha Gray on the cover, you know, they didn't need that, but that's how they got funding. So, <laughs> yeah, I I don't think she's much of an actress, let alone porn star. So it's just like, OK, it is what it is. They had to film that scene after the fact. And I think if I were to go back and rewatch it again, I would notice, yeah, that doesn't feel like that was part of the initial filming because it wasn't. <laughs> but you got to do what you got to do. I am impressed that Jason E did do all of his stunts last I checked. I think he had like maybe one stunt double for one fall. But yeah. overall, he to direct, write and give everyone ample screen time and make sure this actually got distributed, you know, that is a hard manship and that's kind of why I've been writing all these movies. I feel like everything just a rare incidents where everything is well mostly well glued and you don't feel like you're watching a trojan horse of a movie you do feel like you're actually <sighs> dialed in and the movie itself is dialed in and you know great minds think alike yep. all righty so the 10th and final installment what's a movie that everybody's got to see in the martial arts wow. category Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna combine a few into one, but I'm gonna say Undisputed's two, three, and four with Scott Atkins. There you go, because they pretty much take the whole, you know, even Van Damme's death warrant. Just all the fun, you know, penitentiary, you know, die hard in a prison type movies. You know, just people kicking the shit out of each other, fight to the death, and they do go in the directions you never would have suspected. They make use of their cast, their Bulgarian locations, and they're not shabby. They, and it's not just another stupid fight to the death movie. There is motivation for every character and some real emphasis. I'd actually heard in an interview 
I forget. It was either an Isaac Florentine or a Scott Atkins. I don't remember which one. Mm-hmm. But originally Undisputed 2 was just a quick – it was almost like a spur-of-the-moment thing because the first one with Wesley Snipes and Ving Rhames did really well. And they were like, well, let's see if we can try and capitalize on it. Mm-hmm. So they just kind of threw this movie together last minute, and they were just going to leave it at that. Yeah, it was. And but Scott Adkins basically stole the stole the show, and they're like, okay, we could do something with this Boyka guy. And I mean, seeing him in this franchise, this is everything I wish that the Green Street Hooligans movies were. Yes. And I thought Atkins was in part three, if I'm yes, not mistaken. And I suffered through parts one and two. I just, I did not care for those. And I, I I've seen. I remember I tried to watch the first one because I played soccer in high school and my soccer coach recommended it to my older brother who was on the soccer team. <laughs> and so he was like, well, you know, there's fighting involved. You know, Braden does karate, you know, show it to him. The football factor. I'm, I'm, I'm 14, 15 years old. So I'm like, OK, karate fighting. Cool. Let's watch it. <laughs> but just something about seeing Frodo from Lord of the Rings trying to throw down in the first one, I just... Yeah, and I think it's Charlie Hannum and a bunch of other people there who I don't really buy as tough guys. But I, I like the director. Don't get me wrong. Lexi Alexander is mostly rel- best known for Punisher Warzone and regulated to TV. It's like she should do more movies. I wish someone would get over their sexism and actually hire her. I mean, it's like, yeah, that movie, I mean, it was a pretty manly movie. And it kind of made that rare distinction of I thought what was going on was pretty stupid. But the movie felt self-aware, so it didn't feel like a stupid movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, at like the same time, I wasn't doing so. It it made you believe it, but at the same time, there's something back in your mind. It's like eh, something's just not quite right here. Absolutely, and I, I wouldn't even say it was the miscasting. It was just it felt like the budget was pretty constrained, and at the same yeah. time, because the story was so spread out, I got so impatient just waiting for the next fight scene it just was very uneven and i i've tried rewatching it and again it's not a bad movie I but it's not great scott Atkins installment is the best one. Oh, i bet i from what i remember of it he did have like two cool fight scenes in part two that was pretty filthy they didn't even try on that one <laughs> no that i I've, i haven't seen part two i've not even attempted to see part two yeah there was like some stupid nudity and well-known British actors also cameoing as prison guards, but I was just like, yeah, I don't give a shit. But, I mean, part three, they were totally capitalizing on Scott. They are like, yeah, we need you in this movie. You were totally built for this. But, yeah, like Undisputed 2, 3, and 4, you know, I, I really enjoy seeing uh, Yuri Boyka's journey from villain of the second one yeah. to – anti-hero he i wouldn't really say he's the hero of the third one because he's still <sighs> by his own selfish needs to yeah. the to the fourth one he's actually being quite selfless because he's fighting for the freedom of this younger of this young woman mm-hmm. because he he's remorseful about what he did to her husband spoilers for those who haven't seen the movie oh my god <laughs> <laughs> But, but yeah, I just think it's a really, 
well-rounded uh, story arc for the character without sacrificing the action. I remember I was watching the behind the scenes and he, uh, he was saying, you know, we shot the first couple scenes and there wasn't any action for about the first week and a half of filming. And I was like, are we, are, are we doing, are we doing Boyka? Like, what are we doing? And then it came to an action scene and he roughed up a couple of dudes like, yep, up, oh, yep. There, there he is. There he is. We found him. We got him, boys. <laughs> yeah. People learn. Go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that wraps up the 10 must-see martial arts movies. If you had to pick 10, those are the ones. Alrighty. Would you care to promote the movie we are working on, Skin Circuit? Yes, Skin Circuit. This is a passion project of mine, written by yours truly. Uh, started writing it about two and a half, three years ago, and we are gearing up in April at some point during the month of April to film the 15-minute proof of concept for the movie, and then hopefully later this year we'll be filming the feature-length version. Um what I've been describing it as to kind of get the point across to people, it's taken on a budget. Um, so instead of going to France, we're going to like Paris, Idaho, but you know, <laughs> but it's, it's going to be really good. It's a really good, uh, indie action thriller, um, action drama, uh, stars myself as a private investigator. Who is looking the private eye? I'm I kid, I'm kidding on that last part. <laughs> it's just a private eye. <laughs> yeah, just a private eye, no sleaze. Yeah, who That's kicks tons movie. of ass. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and different kind of different kind of yeah, different kinds of guns firing and yep. <laughs> and uh, I, I have to say, man, you really did keep it simple yet surprising and effective. It, I mean, this is the kind of movie I would have typically seen with someone like Wesley Snipes or something. You know, it's just very energetic. And I mean, that was kind of the goal when I wrote the script was, you know, I wanted to because, you know, if you notice out the list, a lot of my picks were not theatrical releases. They were indie movies. And yeah. those are the movies that I enjoy because they don't have the budget to hire a big name and send them to a three week training course. You have to find people who can really do it. Uh-huh. And that's one of the things I miss about the 90s movies when you had the Jeff Wincots, the Jeff Speakmans, the Lorenzo Lamas, the Lauren Avedons, you know, where if you could throw a high roundhouse kick, you could be in an action movie. And I want to bring those days back. So that's part of my goal for this movie, because I'm I'm a legitimate martial artist. I've been studying for 15 years, mm-hmm. but I'm Time not. Scott. I can't do a bunch of flips and tricks, so I want to bring back traditional martial arts. And you shouldn't have film. to. You should be you. You should build your own signature and brand, you know? Because <laughs> that's what I'm trying to do by doing by doing the films that influence me, but I'm doing them in my own way. Mm-hmm. But you know, we still plan on doing. You know, everything is still on track. We we just had to change the location, which means the budget is increased a little bit. Uh-huh. But we're we're already coming up with a game plan for that. And as for the feature film, you know, that's going to be fun. The proof of concept is just a bare bones version of the first half of the story. And so yep. when you watch the proof of concept, you'll be able to see 
you know, okay, this is what's going on. But when we film the real version, then you'll be able to see, okay, this is why that happened. This is and why it this doesn't happened. give it doesn't give too much away, which is great. Yeah, but yeah, like I said, it's it's bare bones. It it hits the big marks, but it leaves out the details. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like you understand, it, it still hits all the big marks enough to where you can follow the plot line. But when we film the bigger right. version, you'll understand the motive a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh. So gear up. Um, like I said, we're planning on shooting those. Uh, proof of concept in April, feature film, sometime later this year to be determined. So hopefully we can have this thing out into the public sometime next year. Perfect. Perfect. Where can we find you on the interwebs? On the interwebs, you can find me um, all my social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is at Braden White MA. And before you guys ask, the MA is for martial arts. I've been asked that so many times. <laughs> and you can also follow updates on on the film Skin Circuit. You can find those on Facebook and Instagram at Skin Circuit Film and on Twitter at film underscore skin. Give it a like, please. Please do. <laughs> yeah, I post I post updates on there semi-regularly, whether they're with my training for the fight scenes and my, my journey to get myself in shape for this, any production updates. We just hit 200 likes on the page, so thank you to everyone who's supported so far, and nice. we just want to give you guys a good project, so that... Y- the fans are the motivation. I want I want fans to like this movie, and I feel like they will because, like I said, this is one of those movies where I'm an action movie buff, so I know what mm-hmm. I like in action movies. And right. I know this is a film that action film actually action movie people will like. So Braden gonna give it to you. <laughs> yep. Alrighty. Well, it's been lovely having you on this show here. Thank you for having me. It was an honor. Okay. Ruby, I'll be sure to have you again here for another installment for just more just top 10 action film genre lists. We'll we'll do the subgenres, you know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, we'll we'll change it out like best fugitive on the run movies, best fight to the death movies, best I mean, we can even do best prison fighting movies, so after you mention all the undisputed, you'll have to find some other movies that are set in a prison, but that are awesome. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, I mean, we might even do war movies, westerns, obviously, and <laughs> just have a few bit more creative fun. Until then, alrighty. Till then, we'll see you then. Thank you. You got it. The Jacked Up Review Show can also be followed on Facebook on both the page and the group. Feel free to chat, leave questions, make requests for future episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you so much for your various support, and we'll continue to entertain the hell out of you. Till then, take care.